Welcome to Reinventing Professionals, a podcast hosted by industry analyst Ari Kaplan, which shares ideas, guidance, and perspectives from market leaders shaping the next generation of legal and professional services. This is Ari Kaplan, and I'm speaking today with Mona Dat, the founder and CEO of both Loom Analytics, a legal analytics software company, and eDecree, a legal and insurance transcription company. Hi, Mona. How are you? I'm good. Thank you, Ari. Mona, tell us about your background and the genesis of both of your companies, Loom and eDecree. I graduated university from an engineering program back in 2000. Practiced as an engineer at ATI, now AMD, until 2006. Worked long hours. I'm a workaholic. And in 2006, around the time I got married, by then I'd started a couple of companies and kept shutting them down because I just couldn't take the plunge. After I got married, decided that I was finally going to start a company and stick to it. I started eDecree, a transcription company. It was not in the engineering software space. It was a legal services company. It was started to provide dictation support to law firms in Canada. It was a way for me to really learn how to run a business because being an engineer, I'd never done sales before. I had not really had any exposure in building a company from scratch. And so here was an opportunity for me to do that. I learned very quickly back in 2006 that the market was not ready for outsourcing dictation, at least not in Canada. The law firms loved their personal assistants doing their dictation, but we had a Google ad up and we started getting requests for transcription from court reporting companies that do depositions and discoveries. So the market was starting to see a shortage of stenotypists as well as transcriptionists as more females were going into STEM roles. We saw that as an opportunity to enter the legal transcription market in a bigger way, where we started to approach court reporting companies in Canada and in the U.S. to provide electronic transcription. So that would mean we would receive the electronic recordings. And back then, actually, they were tapes, not even digital. We would receive the tapes in the mail or we would go pick them up from the local court reporting companies and we would get them typed by typists in-house. Over time, that transitioned into USB keys, and eventually now we're looking at the audio files being shared with us along with the notes online through Dropbox or through clients' own file sharing services. But it's been an interesting transition over the last 15 years where we've seen the recording process go from tape to USB to completely online stream to us. However, the one thing we haven't seen is speech-to-text really take over because what we're seeing is while speech-to-text services are great for single-speaker dictation for a letter or a report, it doesn't work as well when there's multiple speakers in a courtroom environment or in a deposition or a discovery or even a recorded statement, a witness statement being taken at a police station or off-site sitting in a coffee shop, for example. So we continue to do quite a bit of our work still manually. We've got staff that will listen to an audio and type it up. We do a little bit work in the insurance dictation side for which we do leverage speech-to-text to some minimal level, but most of our work is still done manually. I would say in 2015, there was quite a bit of buzz around the legal tech space and eDecree was steady state stable. 
And so we started looking at what we could do next. So I looked and saw an opportunity in the legal tech space with Loom Analytics. We wanted to put out a product that provided litigation intelligence to Canadian lawyers. So it's specifically court records and providing analytics around that, win-loss rates, quantums for damage awards and settlements and the like. So that's been around since 2015. And that's Loom Analytics. Very recently in October, we actually launched a second product. So we rebranded so that the original Loom Analytics product is now called Court Analytics. And we now have a analytics as a service platform called Structura that's also available under Loom Analytics, where clients, whether they're law firms or insurance companies or logistics companies, or for that matter, any enterprise that does a lot of data analysis or a lot of data collection can build out their own data analytics solutions for data collection, as well as reporting and dashboarding through an online web-based platform with no development of effort. So it's a no-code platform. How have you managed to adapt your teams from both companies to the mandatory work from home orders? It's been interesting. Loom's a software company and eDecree does all of the work manually. Imagine it's laid out like a call center and all of the work has to be typed onto a computer. There is no automation and we do high security work. We do work for several justice department sectors. We do work for courts. So eDecree was never structured to actually be a flexible work environment kind of company. Staff was hired to work in the office. They came into work, started their shifts, sat at their desks, put their headphones on and just worked. Loom, because it was four and a half years old software company, we've always provided staff with the flexibility to be able to work from home if they need to. I think we started to get concerned back in January when the cruise ship sat off the coast of Japan for over 20 days. By early March, we had started to run tests and rotational work from home cycles with some eDecree staff to see how well they would adapt. We tested out Amazon workspaces, different configurations of it to see how things would work. We were still running those tests around the time that we had to completely shut down, but we were glad for the fact that we had the time to run those tests. So March 16th, Everybody had experience for at least two days of working from home. All of the eDecree staff had figured out how to uh, log into their Amazon workspaces. They'd all been migrated from Slack, which was our internal communications tool so that people could text each other while they were at their desks. We'd all migrated to WebEx Teams because with WebEx Teams, they were able to have audio conversations without having to call each other on the cell phone. They wanted video conversations. They could have done that as well. WebEx Teams is an internal team environment that they can set up. So we'd set that up with all of the staff on it. So it was an interesting transition. The first week, I would say, was a complete write-off. Between myself and a member of the Loom team, we were providing tech support all day long, helping staff figure out their internet issues at home. Staff in five cases, they had to come back in to pick up an extra monitor or maybe a keyboard that was a little bit more ergonomic than their tiny laptop keyboard, or maybe headphones that were better than uh, the earbuds that traditionally people would have at home. 
We had a few staff pick up foot pedals because for transcription, that's a big tool that staff would use to do their work. So it was an interesting transition. The first week was challenging. By the second week, three staff members had given up. They just couldn't do it because whatever their environment was at home just didn't work. But the rest of them started to work from home consistently. And it was interesting because when I started this process in early March, I thought, oh, you know what? If this works out, this might be a way to expand the staffing footprint of the company without having to take on more real estate. But by week three of the shutdown, I completely changed my mind about that. I was like, no, let's just hope we get through this in one piece with client deadlines being met and everybody staying sane, because as soon as this is over, we're going right back to work because it isn't as simple, at least not for eDecree. So I wasn't seeing any of these challenges with Loom because it's a software company and they could do the work remotely, but they were connected enough through WebEx teams that it didn't make much of a difference to the Loom staff. But for the eDecree staff who works with challenging content, their day basically starts with them putting on their headphones and typing or reviewing type transcripts it's almost like it's an isolation because you're sitting in a room with nobody to talk to and four walls and you're just typing. You might take a break for lunch. So it can get challenging and the content's not always the best because we do quite a bit of criminal work and it was different. The challenges we expected were not the only challenges we saw. I thought we'd have challenges with the technical aspects, but we started to see a lot of challenges around staff just wanting to come back to work or wanting to know if there were other options. So we've gone through those cycles as well. Did your clients experience any disruption in service? No, they didn't actually, because some of our volumes dropped. So we work for law firms, court reporting companies, as well as some government justice sector departments. The government justice sector departments did not see a slowdown at all. Maybe a glitch while they were trying to figure out how to operate in the new normal. But law firms and court reporting companies experienced a serious slowdown because moving to Zoom, as we can see from all the chatter on LinkedIn, isn't that simple. Yes, some discoveries and depositions are happening on Zoom and some arbitrations and discussions are happening on Zoom, but not everything. So a lot of people are just sort of holding off until they meet in person. So we saw quite a bit of that work drop. The limited staff and the limited productivity that we had was more than enough to cover the work from the clients. Now, as things are starting to open up, we might if we don't ramp up quickly enough. So that's why we're now starting to look on the other side and say, okay, how can we get back to a new normal. I wouldn't say how can we get back to normal as before, because I don't think that's going to happen for a while. But now we're starting to look at how we can get back to a new normal so that clients don't get disrupted. How are you preparing to return to a physical office space? Purchase of masks, lots of hand sanitizer, filling spray bottles with alcohol for staff to be able to clean their personal equipment, their keyboard, their mouse, their headphones, all of that. That's what we've had to do. Yesterday was our first day back at work with very limited staff. So for the three days leading up to yesterday, we were busy purchasing, first of all, finding vendors that could supply us even the limited supply of masks and hand sanitizer and alcohol that's available in the market, but then getting the office ready. We've got signage on the floor that tells you how far apart you're supposed to sit, how far apart you're supposed to stand. We've got signage all across the office on walls telling staff 
how they should be putting their mask on and taking it off, how they should be washing their hands, <laughs> the fact that they should be wiping down all packages when they come into work. So there's a lot there. There's a lot of talking to staff and reminding them to keep their masks on at all times. So that's one thing that we put in place. And there is a sign every few feet across the office that says that you absolutely have to have your mask on if you are in our office space. Like you cannot get past reception without a mask on. How large is your workforce and what percentage of it do you expect to return to the physical space? For Loom, we have six team members and three of them would like to return in some limited capacity, at least to the workspace, even if it's one or two days a week. And a lot of it has to do with the social aspect of it. Having the Zoom or the WebEx team meetings isn't the same as being able to sit across a table from somebody and be able to chat. On the eatery side, we have 15 staff and we're supposed to expand to 35 or 40 over the next two months. Maybe five of them or six of them are not able to come back to work right now because they're living with elderly parents and want to wait it out for a couple of months. But the rest of them over the next six to eight weeks will be coming back to work. We just have to figure out a safe way for them to do it because we are spacing desks out. So where nine people used to sit, we now have five. We are taking over the area that traditionally would be occupied by Loom staff. So that's helping open up a little bit of space. But I would say most of the staff actually wants to be back at work. How do you recommend that other companies transition back to work? I would suggest you have a discussion with your staff. Because if you have an open conversation with the staff about whether and when they want to come back to work, that will help start that discussion. And at least help them get into the frame of mind of, okay, we've got to start thinking about it. It will also bring to light any concerns that staff might have. When we started this planning process, we actually had a team meeting with the entire e-decree team and they told us their concerns. They told us what the problems were, what they were worried about. Some staff had suggestions. And because it was an open conversation, staff didn't feel like they absolutely had to come back to work or they would lose their jobs. Because that's another concern we have is that we don't want staff to come in and just be stressed out and nervous the whole time they're there. Because that doesn't help anybody. It's also important that staff feels like it's okay to tell you if they're not feeling well. Because if you have anybody sick with even the slightest chance, a risk of having picked up something or having picked up COVID that comes into work because they're worried that there might be repercussions if they don't, they could shut your entire operation back down. So what I would suggest is have a discussion with staff figure out your PPE supply, make masks and hand sanitizers and gloves and all of that available to staff and tell them upfront, that's what's going to be available to you. If you feel comfortable coming back to work into the office, do so. We still have the option for staff to work from home if they absolutely need to. So we have a daily health check-in that happens in the morning before they leave home. Right now, it's a online form that they have to answer questions on. But within two weeks, it's going to be a mobile app. And they would have to log into the mobile app every morning, answer a bunch of questions. And that mobile app will then suggest to them whether they should be leaving home or they should be staying home for the day. And what we've told staff is 
if the answer to any of those questions is yes, so essentially things like, you know, do you feel feverish or do you feel like you've lost your sense of smell? All the potential indicators for COVID, if any of those are met, then just stay home. Do not feel compelled to come into work. And so that they're not worried about losing income, we are going to continue to support a work from home environment for those that need to work from home either for the next two months or for the off chance that they aren't feeling well enough to come to work or don't believe that they should be coming to work because it might risk other people. But it's that open conversation that is important. It's important for staff to know that it's okay to take the day off and be upfront with your supervisors or your managers that you might have to take the day off because you aren't feeling well or might have to work from home. This is Ari Kaplan speaking with Mona Dat, the founder and CEO of both Loom Analytics, a legal analytics software company, and eDecree, a legal and insurance transcription company. Mona, thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Reinventing Professionals podcast. Visit ReinventingProfessionals.com or AriKaplanAdvisors.com to learn more.